Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. I didn't step on your line this week. Do I get a gold star? Yes, good job, good job. Usually you try to just keep going right over me. <laughs> so I don't have much to talk about at the top of this show this week. No, me either, me it's, either. It's a very emotional minute, so brace yourself. It is. It is. So uh, grab your Kleenex if you need it. Your tissues. <laughs> I don't think it'll it'll uh, pack the same punch though when you're not physically watching the minute. You well, know? well, that's our Just... job. We have to paint the the picture with our words in audio form. Well, yeah, but I don't know if we're gonna quite get to the level of the movie. So our minute picks up where we left off last week in the middle of Patch giving Donner a great, big, long goodbye hug. He then softly says into Donner's ear, Take care of yourself. And the whole time Donner is like moaning, you know, like whining. Like, you know, like, like an animal would when he's upset, you know, I, it's very hard for me to describe. I can't do it. I don't know how the puppeteers are able to make that noise, but, uh, whoever made the noise of Donner did a very good job. <laughs> Were you peeking at my notes? Because I actually did the research on who, uh, made the reindeer noises for this movie and that, I, that that's coming up in, in in a few minutes here i did not look at your notes that was purely coincidental i don't i can't remember if we talked about it last minute but patch and donner really have a strong connection he, he doesn't seem to get this emotional with any of the other seven reindeer yeah i don't know what it is with his relationship with donner i don't know it Maybe because he had to, like, coach him back into, um, I don't want to say health, but kind of, kind of mental health, I suppose. Yeah, like urge him to eat. Yeah. It, that's had, that had to have been where they bonded all those hundreds of years ago. Thousands. <laughs> century is a hundred years, though. 10th century to the 20th century be a thousand years. Okay, well, not thousands. Oh, goodness. Thousand <laughs> years. <laughs> so Patch then walks away from Donner's stall in a very cinematic overhead shot of the stable. And we see two other reindeers in stalls on either side of Donner. Okay, Ben, the reindeer expert. Which <laughs> now, two reindeer are we looking at? Well, I, I um. I actually really like this shot. I think this is the first time we see the stable like this to actually see how it is fully set up You know, before it was all ground level and the way mm -hmm. they cut between everything. It was kind of hard to tell what the stable actually looked like, but it appears that we have uh, Donner was the one he was walking away from. And then there's a name tag up here, but I can't make out Blitzen. So we have Blitzen and Donner. Oh, I didn't see any name tags. Yeah. We have... Oh, I see them up in the, yeah uh, up up above a little bit, not under where the reindeer head is. Right. Yeah, it's up above, and I don't know who is next to Donner just because there's no name tag and he's so far away. It's virtually impossible to have any 
markings to figure out exactly who that is. So And, and once again, um, these three reindeer here in this shot, they are the puppets. They have to be the puppets. Mm-hmm. And, and that's incredible because they look so real. They do. But you could just, you know, the way they're moving and, and everything, you can tell they are actually the puppets. The way they all kind of follow Pat yeah. as he walks off screen. Yeah. Because real deer, they wouldn't, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't have no. that relation <laughs> with, with Dudley Moore to care to follow him. You know, they'd be just eating or sleeping or something. So one thing we do see Patch pick up from the side of Donner's stall is a wooden pole or a wooden post, a really thick stick, if you will. Yeah, he had that in the last minute in his hands as well. He put it down. Oh, I missed that. When he went to hug Donner. So it is something he was walking around when he was talking in the last minute with. So we see Patch walk away from the reindeer holding his stick. And what he's going to do with that, we, we don't actually see him do it in the movie, but he's going to fashion himself a bindle. Yes. Did you look up that word? I didn't know that. I didn't know that's what it was called. Didn't Doesn't everybody know what a bindle is? <laughs> <laughs> a bindle is a bag, sack, or carrying device stereotypically used by the American subculture of hobos. This is from Wikipedia. There's a Wikipedia page about bindles. So you did look it up. In popular culture. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In popular culture, the bindle was portrayed as a stick with cloth or blanket tied around one end for carrying items. And that is exactly what we'll see Patch having slung over his shoulder. Mm -hmm. Just like we have seen in many cartoons and movies yeah. about hobos or runaways. Right. You take a handkerchief that can probably only hold like two yeah. things, tie it to a stick, put it over your shoulder, and that's all yeah. you need. Well, I mean, you know, the stick is practical. You never know when you're going to need a stick for protection or for survival purposes. However, maybe a backpack would be better, you know. But, hey, Patch, you don't know what Patch has going on. There was a brief scene that you talked about that was in the book that I could see fitting right about here before we see that shot of the outside. Yes. Because Patch then goes over to his locker or drawers or whatever. And while he's mumbling about, oh, I'm going to get Santa to respect me, he takes a bowl of reindeer mm -hmm. dust, uh, reindeer corn flakes. <laughs> and that seems to be the only thing he packs with yeah. him. So he seems to have had a plan in mind to impress Santa involving the uh, stardust. Yes, he, uh, he did package up instead of his belongings. He has a single bundle with a stick slung over his shoulder uh, full of the magical stardust, not his belongings. So I don't know exactly what he was planning, but it only involved magical stardust. You would have thought he would need a blanket or some food or just gonna, or something. I guess he's just going to wing it. I don't know. <laughs> because because a few few minutes from now we'll be talking about the timeline and how long it must have taken Patch to get from point A to point B. Because here here he is leaving the North Pole in what we assume is maybe early to mid-January of 1984. Yeah. 
right after the Christmas fiasco. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see where Patch rejoins the timeline <laughs> in just a few episodes. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's quite interesting. I don't really know how it how it all flows together. In the comic, we have after Patch leaves Santa, then he goes to his bed, and you can see that he is originally in the comic book. He's originally putting his belongings in that bag, not just Stardust. He changes his mind, and he puts all of that back, and he just fills it with stardust instead. So something clicked in his mind, like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. And he changed it, so he didn't bring anything, nothing. And and this is the same North Pole climate (laughs) that a mere thousand years ago that santa almost froze to death right. in and he's just gonna go out there in his elf clothes and some reindeer yeah. dust i don't think this is good planning at all no Patch. i mean he doesn't even have a jacket you know like <laughs> nothing so as soft emotional music plays we see a close-up of donner and then we see donner the reindeer actually shed a single t- <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Let me, let me try to read that maybe again. Maybe a little less and we um, see... happy, like maybe a little bit more sad. <laughs> Emotional. Right, I'll, try, I'll try to, let, let me have another another take. <laughs> we see Donner the reindeer shed a single tear. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It. What you gotta do, you gotta do this, okay? You gotta get into the, into the mode here and you say, and then next. We see Donner standing and watching Patch shedding one lone tear out of the corner of his eye because he's just so upset with what Patch, that Patch is leaving. His buddy, his best friend is walking out that door and Donner just, he loses it and he starts to cry. Yeah, to top it off, there's even a... I mean, it's it's very it's sad. heart-wrenching. This poor deer is losing his friend. You can even see the the lighting on the tear, like a little glisten of the tear as it rolls down his reindeer yeah. cheek. They did a good job lighting it. <laughs> you can't really appreciate it on the old no. DVD, but once you see it in HD, especially on the big mm-hmm. screen, <laughs> you can really see that tear in all its all its glory <laughs> so before we leave donner before we leave donner ben we teased it earlier do you want to know who made the reindeer sounds for santa claus yes. the movie we have been you know the past few episodes we've been giving credit where credit is due because the sulkins didn't give credit to daphne didn't give credit to sarah foster and didn't give credit to Percy Edwards, who was uncredited for his role of the reindeer vocalizations in this movie. He should have been credited. He was born in 1908. Sadly, he has passed on. He passed away in 1996. He had a long career in radio. He was known for his animal sounds. And he has one of those IMDb pages that is filled with, like, dogs and pigs and frogs mm-hmm. and horses he did the uh sheepdog in jim henson's labyrinth he was also the noises of the killer whale in 1977's orca 
the horror movie. It was like Jaws, except it was a killer whale. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that. It, it was one of those Sunday afternoon TBS uh, staples there <laughs> <laughs> that I remember. And speaking of Donner, the puppeteers in this movie were, are not credited in the end what? credits of this movie. Oh my gosh. You know, the Salkins, they are horrible. Like, at, le- at least Wino got yeah, his screen credit. Man, they didn't give anyone <laughs> any credit for anything. Mac Wilson was his name, and he was the lead puppeteer for Donner. He began his work on Jim Henson's Dark Crystal and listened to just a few of the titles on his resume. You know, basically any movie involving animatronics in the 80s or 90s he was in. Return to Oz, Little Shop of Horrors, 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where he is the lead animatronic puppeteer for Michelangelo's head. Babe, Lost in Space. Dr. Doodle and most recently uh, he had a credit in Muppets Most Wanted. And then for TV, he worked on Doctor Who, Farscape. He operated Earl Sinclair's face on dinosaurs. But he was not credited for his role as Donner in Santa Claus That's the ridiculous. Movie. ridiculous. Why are none of these people credited for this movie? And another... Another reindeer puppeteer in this movie was Brian Henson. Jim Henson's oh son himself gosh. worked on this movie and did not get credit. Man. Can you believe it? Can you believe it if you had a Henson working with your puppets and then you don't credit? That would be like leading. I'd be leading with that. <laughs> that would be in the trailer. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway... Anyway, I'm glad we can give these people their due yeah, finally. These poor people. And 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 they did um, these puppeteers and whoever else out there puppeteered these reindeers, they did an amazing job. I mean, I I am not I'm not downplaying the crucialness and the hard work of the people like lighting and sound and, you know, background and everything. But you know they were credited for their work. But the people who are actually in the movie bringing the characters to life get no credit whatsoever. There's probably like 17 uh, producer credits yeah. at the end. Yeah. I don't know. Man. Just wait till just wait till our uh, our five minutes of end credits and we'll be, it'll be like us reading the phone yeah. book. <laughs> Have fun with that because we're going to be looking up all this stuff. <laughs> because when I was hearing those reindeer moans and groans like, Maybe if I dig deep enough, I can figure out who did uh, the reindeer voices and find out more about the puppeteers. And it was amazing, the talent in this movie. It's incredible. And Donner is such a such a character in this movie, a believable, you know, yeah. you can f- tell how he's feeling when he's forced to do these stunts and how he overcomes his fear later and how attached he is to Patch. And just a brief side note on Mac Wilson's uh, Wikipedia page. It was a little hard to find at first because on his Wikipedia page, whoever wrote down all his credits said he was the lead puppeteer of Donna the Reindeer, (laughs) D-O-N-N-A, in Santa Claus the movie. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Happens to me all the time. Well, he's there in the UK. Maybe uh, the UK accent when somebody is trying to transcribe maybe. his. Maybe some of those. Maybe he was dictating. Oh yeah, and I was. I can't do a UK accent. No, I accent, can't either. But, and I'm uh, not going to insult any of our UK listeners by pretending <laughs> to. No, mine will sound like a Dick yeah. Van Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> Step in time. <laughs> yeah. 
So back to the movie. Yes. Um, next we see the outside of the elf compound as Patch walks away with his bindle over his shoulder. That's my new word. <laughs> Great. It's like when you find out what the little tips on the shoelace are called. They're, they're aglets. Oh, that's right. You told me this once. <laughs> it stayed in there kind of for recall purposes only. <laughs> it came in handy. It came in handy this one time. <laughs> These are the things that John has filed away in his brain. I have locked and loaded, ready to go. I can't I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can tell you <laughs> what an aglet is. And a, now yes, a bindle. Great. So Patch walked across the bleak frozen wasteland. That's what it says in the book. That's what it called it. Bleak frozen wow. wasteland. <laughs> when when nothing but the same clothes he wears in the house. Yes. And a handkerchief full of stardust yes his sack he flung over his back was a bag of magic stardust not his personal belongings he originally intended to bring mm -hmm. and he's thinking he had violated the final trust ball turning his back on santa and his former friends in every sense crazy this is deep stuff deep man th this is this is a this is quite the emotional uh, point of the movie, I'd say. Yeah. We have crying reindeer, elves running away. And that's following up a couple couple heavy minutes uh, leading up to this. Yeah. My notes say we see Patch walking away into the unknown, and now I, all I can think of is the, is the uh, frozen Elsa song. Into the unknown! I feel like a, a regular Christmas movie. I don't know why. I, I, I know we've talked about this early on, but I feel like Pat should have had a song here. Yeah, but this isn't like a musical. I know, it's not a musical. I, I feel like it should have been a musical. <laughs> and I know we've probably said it before how we were robbed out of a uh, John Lithgow villain song. For sure. That would have been amazing. Once again, I, I don't know if it's my short-term memory, but Santa Claus, the movie, the Broadway musical. What do you think? Do <laughs> you think we could get Lithgow back for that? If we say we got a great villain song for him? Maybe. Maybe. If we don't include anyone that was part of the original production. Yeah, movies. yeah. Like I, th I think all the sulkins are gone, John. Uh, you can come back. <laughs> we, we bought... We started a Kickstarter to buy the rights <laughs> to uh, Santa Claus the movie. It cost us $57. <laughs> I would buy that today <laughs> if I could. Now my mind is just drifting to Santa Claus the musical. <laughs> Santa Claus the musical. We couldn't call it Santa Claus the movie, the music. That's, well, that's like High School, no. the musical, the series. Yes, High School, the musical, the musical series. We can't call it Santa Claus, Santa Claus the movie, the musical. <laughs> no, Santa Claus the musical makes sense. Yeah. So I just, I think, I don't, there'd be a lot of work to create this. You know, same storyline, but you'd have to do a lot of re, 
Rhea writing, and I don't know how to write songs. So I, I don't know. Maybe we can start a Kickstarter t- so we can hire someone. To, oh, we, hold, to, we, we, we can, can hire the Holderness family. They're good at it. <laughs> we can hire them. <laughs> we'll start a Kickstarter mm-hmm. to uh, make Santa Claus the Musical <laughs> into a audio podcast for. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I had, to, I had to wrap my brain around that one for a second. <laughs> we'll get on. We'll put it on iTunes. Yeah. Ninety nine cents. No, we we put cents. it. We'd have to put it up for free. Right. We would have to. <laughs> we'd have to have ads though. We'd have to pay people back. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. That's that's going to be the title of this episode. Thought this was going to be a short one with not a lot to talk about. <laughs> we don't stay well on track. Patch looks back over his shoulder. He watches as the elf compound under the light of the North Star fades away. So, do you think you have to be a certain distance away from the elf compound to not see it anymore? I thought it only became oh. visible um, to, like, certain people. Yes, actually. Hold on one second. I wasn't oh, expecting you to actually have an answer to this. Okay, here I guess. I found it, I found it. Yes, so you are correct. Uh, Only certain people can see it. And I have the paragraph right here that explains what's happening. He turned once when he walked several hundred yards and walking backward, looked up one last time at the enchanted home he was leaving for the strange new world that lay beyond its borders. As he watched, the great rippling Christmas tree of of Aurora... (laughs) which only those who truly belonged within the enchanted village could see, slowly began to fade from sight. Wow, I didn't know it actually had a name. Yes. The magical the... Christmas tree of Aurora. Yes, the Christmas tree of Aurora. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's the first I've ever heard of it referred to as that. <laughs> yeah. And as the light disappears, we uh, see the close-up on Patch again. And, like, Patch is, like... You, the light's fading away, and, like, Patch is, like, standing there in darkness, and it's very quiet, and then it almost jumps you, because it, like, jump, smash cut to, bam, we're in Washington, D.C. It's broad daylight, there's noisy traffic going on, and right in front of the U.S. Capitol building... But before we go inside the U.S. Capitol building, what time of year in the timeline is this? There is no snow. The people people we see walking across the street aren't dressed like bundled up in winter coats or anything. I'm saying June. I'm saying June of 1984. I don't think so. What? It's It's definitely not winter. Well, the thing is, so I've been to D.C. at Christmas time. There was no snow. And I was wearing a t-shirt in December. So these people walking across the street are wearing long pants and long sleeve clothing. But it's not like winter coats and scarves like we see on the streets of New York when it's clearly winter time. Well, I understand. But I'm saying that that doesn't mean that this isn't in the winter time because I've been to DC in the winter time and it wasn't that cold. <laughs> Like, not winter clothing cold. Hang on. Weather in 
Washington, D.C. in, let's say January, because we saw okay. Patch leaving in January. That makes sense. The month of January is the coldest month of the year in the nation's capital, with morning low temperatures mostly in the mid to upper 20s Fahrenheit, or negative uh, 2 to negative 3 Celsius, with afternoon highs in the low to mid 40s. So I don't think this is uh, January. No, I guess not. Maybe I went on a warm year. Maybe maybe it's springtime. Maybe we can meet in the middle. Yeah, because there's no leaves on the trees. All right, now I'm going to have to fast forward. I know it kind of looks kind of overcast, but I don't know if that's a result of the DVD version we're looking at. It could be bright blue sky (laughs) on the HD version. But there are no trees, no leaves on the trees. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) This is a stumper. (laughs) So it's either the fall or or it is the winter. I mean, mean, this person has a scarf on. Really? I didn't yeah, see any scarves. The person, the one in the middle, crossing the crosswalk, has a white scarf on. I mean, I suppose it could be fall, like maybe September, but that's quite the time jump. Yeah. Especially, especially for what Patch and BZ need to prepare for. Yeah, it doesn't fit in the timeline at all. I think I still think June would be the perfect time for this to take place, but. Now I'm the not setting sure. Doesn't match. The setting yeah, the doesn't match. yeah the tr- the trees, the leafless trees are throwing me off. I didn't even think of that. So we may be looking at you know September, October. Okay, so in the book, oh, I don't want to get too I don't want to get too far in it because I know that we're just like popping into the capital for a second. I know. Maybe we're overanalyzing that, but. That's okay. what that's what you come to expect from Santa by the okay, minute. But but I know when it takes place. Oh okay okay oh boy, <laughs> I you should have seen my face light up. <laughs> he almost jumped out of the chair. Okay, so you ready for this? So that just made like the past ten minutes of this episode <laughs> totally pointless. But go ahead, I can't wait. No, it didn't. It's called suspense. Okay, so who is closer? Me. The capital lay as serenely white as the snow-covered lawns and trees of Washington D.C. There is no snow. <laughs> the book is no. the fo- that's a book of lies. <laughs> the city rested peacefully on a crisp blue-skied winter day shortly after the new year. Okay, well, I can I can kind of squint and see the blue sky, but there's no there's no snow, but Yeah, it says here that within the halls of the Capitol, the eight U.S. Senate subcommittee members seated at the long, curving table still had their minds on the recent holidays. Okay. And that's as far as I'm going to go. I don't want to ruin anything. So oh, Okay, interesting. So I was way off. It's not the summer no. of 1984. It's, it's st- we're still in January. I mean, you know, the, the makers of the movie can only do so much. If it doesn't snow in dc in when they're filming this they can't you know what i mean like they wanted a live shot for some reason they've used paintings for everything else (laughs) but this one had to be a live shot (laughs) and who knows this could be just stock footage that they license because those don't look like cars of 1985 (laughs) driving around maybe no they don't do they they look a little older than that this looks more like late 70s, maybe. 
you know, the brown colors. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah, this may have been, like, footage that they bought from someone. All or right. maybe it's footage they had from, like, leftover from, like, Superman or something. <laughs> it could be, too. It in. <laughs> we totally need to bring up Chris Reeve and Superman one of these nights and be like, oh, that, 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 that they, fits in. They reuse that from in Santa Claus the movie, those crazy Sulkins. All right, I'm bringing up the Internet Car Movie Database uh, okay. to see if they can shed any light on this mystery. Who knew this, uh, this minute was so jam-packed? I know. A lot going on here. It looks like they're doing construction on the Capitol building, doesn't it? Doesn't it look like those are um, construction walls on the outside? Like scaffolding? Yeah, it does. What, did they have a major like renovation? I'll, I'll look that up. You look up cars. That could be. So maybe they licensed some like news footage. Yeah. Because I'm here on the Internet Movie Car Database, uh, they have identified in this scene i don't know if i think it's the one closest to the camera as a 1970 mercedes-benz 280s a 1970s a 1970 1970 mercedes-benz okay okay so there is a little disagreement in the comments on this screenshot on the internet movie car database but they seem to be in agreement that it is a 1970 or 1971 vehicle that we're looking at Uh uh-huh so maybe that can narrow down the timeline a bit. Maybe. So we've now traveled back in time. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are 70s cars, like, throughout this movie. Right. Dur- during bits on the Pinewood lot. But those are obviously, you know, stuff they had at, in the UK at Pinewood. This has oh. to be real footage of Washington, D.C., but all the cars are really early 70s. Following the 1971 appointment of George M. White as architect of the Capitol, the building was both modernized and restored. Electronic voting equipment was installed in the House chamber in 1973. Facilities were added to allow television coverage of the House and Senate debates in 1979 and 1986, respectively, and improved climate control electric electronic surveillance systems and new computer and communication facilities have been added to bring the capital up to date oh listen to this okay i'm listening I'm listening once again i i don't know if i made it clear but i am reading off of uh aoc.gov which stands for uh, architect of the capital yeah i was just on that too what did you find um listen to this in 1983 Work began on strengthening, renovation, and preservation of the West Front of the U.S. Capitol. Structural problems had developed over the years because of defects in the original foundations, deterioration of the sandstone facing material, alterations to the basic building fabric, a fourth floor addition, and channeling of the walls to install interior utilities, and damage from the fires of 1814 and 1851, and of the 1898 gas explosion. To strengthen the structure, over 1,000 stainless steel tie rods were set into the building's masonry. More than 30 layers of paint were removed, and damaged stonework was repaired or replicated. Ultimately, 40% of the sandstone blocks were replaced with limestone. The walls were treated with special consolidant and then painted to match the marble wings. The entire project was completed in 1987, well ahead of schedule and under budget. 
So this couldn't. This may not have been yeah. stock footage. No, it could have been when actual mo- time. Crazy. So I guess a lot of people are still driving their 14, 15 year old cars around Washington D.C. in nineteen eighty-three. Well, that isn't really that hard to. True. True. You know. We're we're looking at it through the twenty twenty one lens where everything. Look at those old timey cars. <laughs> cars were built to last back then. <laughs> Not like the ones we drive around now that are only supposed to last three years, so you have to buy a new one. Those big boats. Wow. That is something I never would have noticed in a million years. <laughs> Woohoo! This is an emotional and educational episode of Santa by the Minute. Anyway, back to the movie. Okay, yeah. I, I wanna tracks. say I wanna say the part like as the light fades and uh patch is in like kind of fading off into the distance and then bam we're in washington dc it's like this is the part where all the t- kids turn to like grandpa like did you sit on the remote <laughs> yes who, who turned on c-span i always every <laughs> single time i watched this when i was younger i thought something happened you know like <laughs> boom it's like oh wrong mo-, you know like there was like an issue or you know like, there's something wrong with the movie like it oh. ejected it paused or <laughs> Something. Like, who taped over Santa Claus the movie? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Such a hard cut. It is so... I, I don't like it. I've never liked it. It even catches me off guard now, and I know it's <laughs> happening. I'm sure that was the intent. It's like, okay, we're in the real world now. Yeah. And now we are... We, we get only a couple seconds in this minute. We hear a southern senator saying... Now, sir, I'm asking you if this toy here is manufactured. There's toy here. And while, while the outside we have determined is actual U.S. Capitol, this is not what the inside of the Senate looks like in yeah. real life. I don't even think it looked like this in 1983. I don't even know if they have, like, a, a break room that looks <laughs> like this. So I'm sure this was built on uh, Pinewood. Yeah. This doesn't look anything like what our senate hearings look like but the um in the book it said eight and there are only five here in the movie there are eight senators here there's only five senators and we will talk about much more about this scene next week we we get a little glimpse a little glimpse and a little tiny taste two seconds of uh john lithgow he's he's sitting right there Mm-hmm. We are so close. Yeah, very, very close. But we can't get there yet. Nope. Nope, nope. nope. No, we, have a lot, we have a lot to say <laughs> about how how bonkers this uh, the movie switches gears. Yes. From magical Christmas fun to, hey, kids, it's the Senate. <laughs> and then we'll also be taking a deep dive into the career of John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big minute. It is. It certainly should be. <laughs> so come back next week. Ben, if they cannot wait till next week and, and they want to check out us online, where can they find us? You can find us at Santa Minute on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can email us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes for free!